Here it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act where it first may shock you. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey everybody, I'm Rob. And I am Joseph. Welcome to the March 1979 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. Wow, Rob, I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, (laughs) there must have been something in the air in March 1979 because this episode is going to take us into some weird, spooky territory. Uh, it sounds like fun, weird, spooky territory. It sounds great. I mean, it is a hard left turn from the excellent sort of straightforward post-punk new wave fair yeah. of last episode. Yeah. I think we should ease into it gradually by starting off with the fairly straightforward new wave pop of Squeeze. So from their uh, second album, Cool for Cats, this is a song called Slap and Tickle. I've got some things to say about Squeeze's album, and I'm sure you do too. But uh, before we do yep. that, why don't we? Why don't there, there's some business we got to take care of first? I think isn't that right? There's always some yeah. business, right? <laughs> um, so I I guess we should just you know me being the traditionalist that I am, um, we should probably start things off the way that I normally do by just reminding everybody that uh, we are talking about music. Music is art and there is nothing more subjective than art. This is an opinion show, but we do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated because ultimately um, we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was produced in a pretty unique period in time. Speaking of which, Professor Rob, you want to give us a little uh, history lesson? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one U.S. songs in March of 1979 were Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor, and Tragedy by the Bee Gees. Notable movies were Norma Ray, China Syndrome, and Hair. Uh, it, it, I don't even remember those being out at the same time, but I guess so. A debut TV show were The Ropers, spinoff of Three's Company, of course, and The Bad News Bears. Um, other events, the Egypt-Israel peace treaty was signed in Washington, D.C. Uh, partial meltdown at Three, Three Mile Island nuclear 
plant in the U.S. resulted in the release of radioactive gas, and the last British soldier left the Maltese Islands. Of course, Malta declared that day as Freedom Day. How's that for a history lesson? Got it. Well, for, you know, for these pretty standard, not very interesting historical stuff that was going on, the music that was released in, you know, in the punk new wave uh, genre, it makes up for it in its uh, weirdness. Um, I I am really kind of freaked out by this playlist, Rob. <laughs> uh, you're freaked out by it, huh? I, I, I actually quite enjoyed the playlist, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this is much more of a Rob yeah. uh, kind of group of music than it, it, it is. is for me. It is. Uh, I mean, there, there's some good stuff in here, and we, we know that we're going to talk about Squeeze in a couple of minutes, so yeah. um, you know, that's, that's great, but um, anyways... <laughs> Uh, how you doing, my friend? Fantastic. Fantastic. Good, um, good. Yeah. On vacation right now from, from my day job, but I'm loving the podcast and I want to get into it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, right now, as we're recording this episode, um, season one has officially begun for the rest of the world. So we uh -huh. just dropped um, the January, February episode this morning. And uh, we are we are off to the races, my That's friend. Right. Yeah, nonstop. Let's just take it all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anything you want to touch base on uh, before we start talking albums? No, anything not else? here. I think I'm ready to go. Good, good. I I have a couple little notes, but I think they can they can wait until the end there okay. when we say our goodbyes. So. Uh, let's just, let's circle back to Cool for Cats. That is Squeeze's second album. Um, they actually ha released four singles from this album, which is the most that Squeeze ever did. And in the UK, had two pretty sizable hits with the title track, Cool for Cats, and the song Up the Junction. Um, and... Rob, as I'm sure you remember, uh, last season we took a look at their debut album. Yeah. Man, the difference. It's like night and day, isn't it? it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, almost like it's a whole new band. Yeah. Uh, this album, I think I liked every single song on it. Um, of course, more mm. varying degrees, but I, I mm -hmm. just, I really got into this album. Yeah, this this album really feels like squeezes balancing out the universe yeah. from from their last album because it is almost a mirror image of it it's like the last album as you remember i really only liked two songs and kind of hated the rest of it and this album i like all of the songs except for two and it's really funny because the two songs that i loved off of the first album would have fit in perfectly on mm. this album right and on. the two songs that i really kind of hate off of this album really would have fit pretty nicely on the first album so <laughs> touching me touching you and skip and jump those two songs don't feel like the rest of the album they really kind of feel like they're they're layovers from from yeah. the last one but yeah. i i i think I, i'm actually not 
that familiar with the Squeeze albums. I think I've heard some here and there. So this is my first time to really like listen to the full albums. But my suspicion is at the end of the day, this is going to end up being my favorite Squeeze album. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I, I have to go with that as well. Um, I really enjoyed it. Well, we, so we heard at the beginning, we heard slap and tickle and it was, it was so, so obvious that they sat down and went, take me, I'm yours. Let's write another one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Cause it's, (laughs) it's got the same like synthesizer feel to it and, and all of that. And just like really, um, taking, taking its cue from that the direction of uh, Take Me, I'm Yours. Well, kind of this whole album is, I think, uh, very much informed by uh, Take Me, I'm Yours off of the first album. Well, they knew what worked and they went with it. I mean, hey, there's, you know, that's the consistency for you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so the, the song I picked, um, it, it's it's funny because the song I I almost chose slap and tickles the first song on the album and that's the song mm-hmm. i almost picked and then i'm like well no i better wait and listen because as soon as i heard it i'm like i love this song yeah but yeah. i wanted to wait till i heard the rest of them and uh so i held off on choosing that and then i i ended up going settling for a song kind of midway through called it's so dirty well you better not tell i've had a good night man this but she's a bit of all Dancing to the sounds when the optics get sucked She is a business for a bit of old Scott It's so dirty when it's in the right mood Give it some brandy and some Chinese food Take a first band in the stereo jack Tell her she's the best girl you've ever had Give it some gold to put around the stick Then her old man puts you on the deck But it's so I haven't sat down and like read through all the lyrics to all of the songs on this album, but just in my sort of casually listening to this album several times and, you know, the the songs that I, I have noticed. I mean, these boys, the Squeeze Boys, they really only have one thing on their mind for this yeah. whole album. This is sex, 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 sex. Well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently so did a lot of other people in March of 1979. Cause, uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what what a, um, you know, Bill Nelson's Red Noise beat, beat this album to the punch as, as far as being like a true, from beginning to end, new wave album in mm-hmm. the synth poppy um, vein, but this is this is very much, you know, this is one of the first ones that really sounds like you can't call it, you can't say, oh, this is kind of new wave, kind of punk, or kind of new wave, kind of rock. I mean, it is new wave sounding like through and through, which I just l- love about it, and I love the uh, the way the two vocals. Um, two lead vocalists harmonize on yeah. a lot of the songs. That's yeah. that's kind of like they're developing a signature sound for themselves. Well, 
that's it. They're gra- I mean, they're graduating. It's becoming more mature, really, and, and more, uh, you know. It's more, <laughs> well, mature. <laughs> yeah, let's not get carried away. Let's not away. get carried away. I guess mature is <laughs> the style itself isn't. But definitely the way that they are connecting as, as a yeah. band. You know? Yeah, and as as the way that they're constructing songs. But lyrically, it no, is, this, this is, it this is, is a, like... Middle school bathroom yeah, humor. High school locker room, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that is uh, Squeeze's second album, Cool for Cats. I am seriously con- going to consider putting it on my top ten. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that it'll make it in the top five, but um, it. I knew going in that it was going to be a great album, even though I think this is the first time I've heard it all the way through. And it's it's too bad there were those, those two songs there that really just kind of like bring things to a grinding halt for me. But But really, they've got a great, unique sound, and they're very forward-thinking in their, their approach to, you know, post-punk new wave. So... Big old thumbs up on this yeah. one for me. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it my thumbs up too. I think it's definitely gonna go into my top ten. Um, I'm trying to think of how many albums I've said that about so far because uh, you know <laughs> at least twenty. <laughs> we've got a long season to go, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got a thumbs up for that too. Cool, cool. Okay, so. There, that is the, I think, the most straightforward new wave album we are going to be discussing tonight. <laughs> uh, now it gets weird. Sweet. Well, <laughs> um, the next album that we're covering is Alternative TV's Aviving Up the Senile Man Part 1. This is their second studio album. Um, and it was produced by Dennis Burns and, and, and Mark Perry. Now, the thing is, is that this is a very... Uh, experimental, if you will, album. Um, and I, I kind of thought Alternative TV was a little experimental anyway, but this beats their other album. This is this is hands down more experimental and might be part of what Joseph is afraid of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a there's a there's a reviewer Simon Reynolds who wrote rip he he wrote uh, wrote a book called Rip It Up. Uh, start again, post-punk, 1978-84. He said that the album received uniformly hostile response from reviewers uh, when it was released. But there are a lot of people right now who are praising it for being, you know, very, uh, very experimental. Um, Reviewer Dave McFarlane says that it's uh, avant-garde, abstraction and he praises the fact that Genesis Peorage from Throbbing Gristle was brought in on this album uh, to give it that flair. Um, I could, I, I, there's Genesis Peorage all over this album. So, (laughs) so uh, before we get into the music, I kind of interested in hearing uh, something from you, Joseph. I I think I fall into the, the, the hostile camp. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, if you remember when we talked about their first album, 
I was pretty enthusiastic about it, but I mm-hmm. felt like I was really excited about this one because their last yeah. album, I was like, they're almost there, but if they get a little bit more focused and a little bit, you know, um, more accessible and catchy, then I am there. And that's what I was hoping for. And they went that the other is way. not what I got. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is, oh yeah. my gosh. I mean, this is like... Industrial avant-garde jazz? Yeah, exactly is right. That, is <laughs> it's exactly that, right. <laughs> I, I've been struggling for like the last week trying to figure out how to um, how to describe it. And uh, so when okay, when we listen to uh, a cut, and um, so that everybody can get an idea, because we are we are not exaggerating. <laughs> In any way, so the proof is in the pudding. So, what uh, what song did you pick off of this album? Well, I picked a tune called "The Radio Story," and I have I have some things to say about it, but I, I think we should just leave it at that, and then we'll talk about it when we come back. I wouldn't be surprised if there were, you know, uh, listeners familiar with, uh, you know, the dynamics between you and I. And Mm -hmm. as they were listening to the song going, oh, when we come back, Joseph is going to go, I had to pick a song because you, your song didn't reflect the rest of the album. That is not (laughs) the case. The rest of the album is just Just like like this. (laughs) It well, is, it, 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 there's there is no need for two songs off of no, this album because th- this is what you get. So the uh, the rumor is um, and is probably true that all of these cuts, all of these songs were recorded in one take mm-hmm. uh, that it, I totally believe that that's what yeah. it sounds like. Um did you know that this was ranked number 19 on Mojo's list of weirdest albums ever made? <laughs> I did not, but right on Mojo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right on. What do you think? You going to put it on your top 10? <laughs> not a chance in hell. No way. This is this is not for me. All right. All right, let's move on um to the debut of a a pretty famous new wave band, a band that is going to make waves down the road um, called Simple Minds. This is their debut album <clears throat> called Life in a Day. Um, it was a minor hit in the UK. You could have you could have played the, the two songs we're going to feature tonight. You could have played them for me. And it wouldn't matter how many guesses you would have given me. Never in a thousand years would it have 
occurred to me that this was Simple Minds. Yeah. This is like a completely different sound than what <laughs> I'm used to. Very and true. I, at first I thought, oh, well, they probably like dropped their singer at some point and got a new singer and that's who I'm familiar with. No, it's it's the same guy all the way through. I was I was gobsmacked when I listened to this album. Like, wait, this is Simple Minds? When I when I first heard this album, I had to do a double take. I'm like, this is yeah. the Simple Minds that I know. I mean, it's yeah. like the difference between listening to uh, Depeche Mode and Kenny G. You know, um, for me, Simple Minds, yeah. again, was not one of those bands I was really into. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get why people like it. It's just too, I don't know, it's not for me. Um, but this, I actually really enjoyed this album. Oh, good, good. Um, it may be the only Simple Minds album, but I've liked it a lot. Yeah, I'm. I'm hearing. I'm hearing a lot of like magazine. I, I think they uh -huh. were pretty influenced by magazine Sh sure. um, off sure. of this. In fact, I I did a little research and and a magazine was referenced in a couple of quotes uh, when the uh, lead singer was talking about this album. So let's well let's listen to your pick. What is um, the song that you picked? Is is that your favorite song off the album? Uh, actually, well, that's funny. No, actually, the song that I picked is my second favorite. Mm -hmm. um, the my favorite song is the song that you picked. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, again, it's one of those where I said. I'm not going to stop at the fourth song on the album. I'm going to listen to more of it. And then finally I went back and I chose the song No Cure. The walking, you know, the walking Yeah, so that, I mean, we're talking about the difference in the album and, and how this album is to, to the rest of, of their their career, basically. There's another song on this album that reminds me of, like, Velvet Underground. You know, it, it's just so, uh, I, I, I don't want to say experimental, but it, it seems like everybody's acting a little out of whack from what we expect. <laughs> uh, what, what song is that? Oh, that that was pleasantly distracted, and it, it oh like I said, yeah, it it kind of reminds me of of some Velvet Underground, where it's got uh, I don't know how to describe it really. It, it feels poetic, and it feels like the music is mm -hmm. one thing, and mm -hmm. the the lyrics are another thing, and they don't necessarily go together, but here they are, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know, and that's that is my kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this 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 album really does sound like a band who hasn't hasn't figured out what their sound is yet. Uh -huh. um, and as we know, they are going to de develop a very distinct sound. 
um, that that will work very very well for them. And so kudos to them for that. It's yeah. it's not a sound that I've I've ever really dialed into, but um, but this is this is a pretty good album. But not I mean it it sounds a little generic to me, you know. Mm. Um, but I, I like, I like a fair amount of the cuts. I think probably my favorite cut off of this album is All For You. Simple Minds debut album, Life in a Day, quite a surprise. Um, uh, just uh, caught me completely off guard. Um, sounds a little bizarro to me that this is Simple Minds, but you know, pretty decent album. I, I think, I think I'm gonna forget about this album pretty quickly. Um, I, I feel like mm. like it's fairly forgettable. Um, I just I can't imagine. I think that if if most people, if they're you know when they're putting together their lists, if they're pressed for time, they they might wait until towards the end to to check out this album. I I I don't I well, I I don't consider a real a super strong contender. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I don't think it's going to go. I'm on, I know I can tell you right now it's not going to go on my list. But I really did like this album. Mm-hmm. So let's just go on to the next band, the next album. the The next album is the Tom Robinson Band's TRB Two. Uh, this is their second studio album, and it was actually produced by Todd Rundgren. Um, the album was dedicated to the mother of little. Towers, who was a boxer who who died while in police custody. Apparently he was outside a pub, I think, got into an argument with the law. Next thing you know, they arrested him, and then he just died. Well, they dedicate this song to his mom. They even wrote a song about it. Um, the album was released, of course, in March of 79, and by the end of July of 79, the band broke up. This really bums me out. <laughs> It makes me sad because this is their second album, and I loved their first album like crazy. I think it was just so great. Um, but uh, critics like Smash Hit said that TRB2 was far superior to Power in the Darkness and considered it the band to be shaping up as quite, uh, quite a rock band. And this, I think, is probably what caused them to break up or at least led to them breaking up. Mark Ambler and Dolphin Taylor were both members of the band they both left um because they felt like the material was too weak and that the band was going to be they were like too mainstream and not enough not punk enough so uh what do you think about the album well i have always scratched my head a little bit when it comes to tom robinson band as mm-hmm. being punk um mm-hmm. i i kind of like them yeah. in their first album there was enough of that sort of grubby pub rock rebellion thing for it to make sense to me why other people would consider it punk. I'm not, I'm just not seeing 
really anything in this album that looks that smells like punk to me. Yeah. Um, not that that's not like punk good, rock bad, right. but just as far as in the context of our conversations, um, this one really, I mean, this is sort of the perfect album to be part of the playlist for March because yeah. it's such a weird <laughs> fucking playlist to begin with. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this album, I mean... <laughs> It's all over the place. There is disco. I mean, there's a ragtime song yeah. in it. I mean, it is like all over the place. Not really for me. Um, and I was really kind of surprised on this album. I guess because it's a little bit more straightforward rock. Um, at the limitations of uh, the vocals. Uh -huh. So I didn't, in the first album, I didn't really notice much of a, a limited vocal range for Todd Robinson but but it could it could be that just because it was more punk he wasn't he wasn't doing as much straight straight ahead singing mm -hmm. um as on this album and not that not that he doesn't have a good voice I just feel like I just it seemed like the limitations of his his voice were a little bit more apparent on this yeah. album yeah. I I am I am not crazy about it I mean I I think it's fine I hear more like Dr. Hook or Leonard Skinner in yeah. here than yeah. I hear anything that's like punk well they uh, they you know they brought in Kate Bush to work on this, uh, they brought in uh, Preston Heyman for drums and uh, Quince Parker for for keyboards. And these people are, I think they were really brought in to kind of give the Tom Robinson Band's album like a a broader appeal. They wanted to draw in like you know people of the mainstream. Let me add a name to that because yes. I know that uh, uh, Peter Gabriel helped with some of the songwriting, at least oh, on one of the songs. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah. what uh, what song did you pick? Well, I, I went I went ahead and chose the obvious song, of course. I picked Blue Murder. He wasn't a loony with a sawn-off gun A dangerous terrorist on the run He'd never been mugging or molested a nun Was really quite a regular guy Six pints over in the club one night He started to argue with the law outside Gets arrested and his hands are tied Literally die This song, of course, is is basically what they wrote about Little Tower's death. Um, there's a few lines in there that just grab me every time I hear it. I really love this song. Um, but it, it goes back to their kind of grass, grassroots social justice activism, um, which was kind of, it was really big in their first album. Um, but the idea that this guy was killed by police after being beaten while handcuffed is just really intense. And, and you know, there's, I don't know, there's there's so much about it. First of all, the song is is jingly and it's, it, it, it's catchy, but uh, behind it all, it's, it's tragic. And uh, I don't know, it, in my mind, it's the strongest point of the album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So anyway, that was Tom Robinson Band's uh, TRB2. Um, and the uh, it's the last, the last is. of their albums, right? Yeah. They they only put out two, they, right? They did. There there are of course some uh, some live recordings floating around out there, but yeah, this, you know, this the, one of the sad things about this was that uh, you've got people going, yeah, they're shaping up to be a great a great band, a great rock band, but this was it for them, uh, which was pretty sad. And yeah, you know, yep. Um, as far as making my top ten. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next album. This is um, a pretty cool album. Uh, the debut from a little band called The Fall. Yeah. Called uh, Live at the Witch Trials. Um, <laughs> we, of course, have spent some time in the past talking about them Uh, uh mostly when we did our um, episode with um, Richard Temple mm -hmm. and when we were talking about the Manchester scene. Uh, he is, Richard Temple is a huge fan of The Fall. Um, and we previously have heard the their sort of... Uh, most probably one of their most famous songs, Bingo Ma Masters Breakout, which was released as a single before um, their debut album and not included on the original release, but then, of course, added on to the re-releases. Re um, this is a pretty fun album isn't it yeah yeah no it's it's really good i was i was excited first of all to be at a point where we're getting to hear some some of the fall um yeah. you know i i've known about them for a long time i've listened to their music i played some of them and mwr but really the person the friend who really got me even interested was richard temple and um when we had him on our on our show to do the uh, manchester scene it just even hit me even harder. I'm like, man, this guy knows everything about the fall and, mm -hmm. and I can't wait to learn more about them, you know? So I was pretty stoked to, to be listening to this album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still, um, pretty challenging, awfully weird. Yeah. Uh, fits right, <laughs> is right at home right. with all the rest of the albums that we're going to be talking mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Uh, but um, livelier and spikier and more like appropriate for this podcast than sure. a lot of the other um, yeah. albums we're, we're discussing. I, I don't know that I'm going to do a lot of just sitting down and listening to a fall album, you know, for my own personal enjoyment from mm -hmm. beginning to end. For me, they're much more pick the five or six favorite songs off of an album and throw them on a play, uh, you know, a mixed playlist. Yeah. Uh, but I love, love the energy on this album. Yeah, seriously. Um, you know, and there, there's a, oh, there's a few songs. It seems to me there's like a, maybe a song on this album. I don't like, I, mm. I am going to go ahead and say that I'm going to listen to this album more and more. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, as we go. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm yeah. pretty, I, I love it. I, I really like it. Yeah. So the song Rebellious Jukebox, 
I was actually familiar with it. It popped up on a couple of compilations that I had um, in my 20s, and um, it's it's super fun. I'm searching for the Rob, that this entire album was recorded in one day? I actually did, but again, that's, yeah. that's my job. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pretty good for one day, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, very well rehearsed. Um, they they know these songs inside and out. Um, and then, of course, they did a lot of, you know, spent a lot more time on the mixing part of it but it was i think originally they were they had like five days blocked out but then um uh the lead singer got sick and so they just came in for one day and just banged them all out i would never have guessed it doesn't sound there's nothing like half-assed or slapped together no. sounding about it no. there it's it's very for the kind of music that it is it is very focused yeah, and it tight doesn't sound like the production uh suffers at all really no not at, not all. at all so um so what is what is your pick well i i had a hard time because there were two songs that I really wanted to play, uh, one of which I'm going to put on my Christmas playlist, um, but that's not the one I picked. Uh, I decided to go with Underground Medicine. underground medicine and and ultimately it's my favorite song on the album the song that i mentioned before going on my christmas playlist was a tune called no xmas for john k's and uh it's the christmas song you can mosh to and Mm -hmm. i think i i think i want to make that kind of christmas album (laughs) for this album the songs that are working the most are the most rambunctious ones the yeah. en- the ones where the energy is the highest right. when they when they kind of slow down a little bit i i find those a, a little less engaging but still just a really solid album like easier to listen to and more fun than i expected 
yeah. um, from the fall. So, yeah. Oh, cool. so yeah. So that is that is the fall's debut album called "Live at the Witch Trials." Um, I know one person who's going to include this on their top five list for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, tell you, man, it's gonna it it will likely make it onto mine. Um, mm-hmm. I really. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I've probably listened to this one more than anything else on the playlist. The the sound of the fall is they've got their own unique thing going on, uh, which I really appreciate. I love love it when a fall song pops up on a playlist. A full album of it is a little much for me personally, mm-hmm. but you know I'm just. I'm kind of a delicate flower like that. So <laughs> so I, I don't, I, I, I consider it more of a notable, important album than I do a sort of personal favorite album. Yeah. Well, moving on to our next album, we have Eddie and the Hot Rods with the album Thriller. This is their third studio album. It reached number 50 on the UK album charts. Uh, interestingly enough, Island Records dropped the band not long after its release because of poor sales. Um, after which they decided they they joined up with EMI. Right. Singles were Media Messiahs and Power and the Glory. Mm. Reviewer Dave Thompson suggests that Thriller came out when the band's own brand of high octane punk pop was wallowing in the depths of unfashionable retrogression. Uh, they they might have had low sales with the record, but they were really knocking it out of the park as far as live during that time. Um, for some reason, the, sa- the the album didn't sell, but people were just packing the houses when they were going to concerts. So, interestingly enough, um, not one of my favorite albums, I'll be honest with you. It's, um, haven't been an Eddie and the Hot Rods fan. I just can't seem to get into them. Man, I am right there with you, brother. But, <laughs> but I, I will say this. Um, I this is not my kind of rock. I mean, right. this is th- this album is they very. So, you and I were technically around in 1979, but we were not paying. You know, not paying any attention. We didn't even know what punk rock was or, or anything like that. We were too. We were listening to the wheels on the bus go round and round. Yeah, exactly. Um, But my understanding is that by this time, uh, the general consensus was punk rock as day is done. It was just a Uh fad. There's no future in it. And so bands were bailing pretty fast, you know, trying to figure out how they were going to make careers. And so they were... You, you you see a lot of bands shifting into other genres and you definitely see yeah, that here yeah, it, it really sounds like they're trying to brand themselves as a rock band as a yeah. as opposed to a punk rock band now i was never on board with them as a punk rock band i mean they sounded like a pub rock yeah, that right. just sort of <laughs> like got caught up in all of it but i will say this as much as i don't particularly care for the the style that they're that they're doing this sort of like um bob seger zz top golden earring guess who sort of thing Uh um i would i 
I think that they do this kind of music more convincingly than they do the punk stuff. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I, on that level, I think that this is a fairly successful attempt uh, on their part. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to say that's that's my issue with it too. It's it's not really it's not at all what I'm looking for when I want to hear new mm-hmm. wave or punk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting that we've seen other bands just between January and March do exactly what you what you said is that they are right. realizing yeah. that that punk is dying off and they are becoming something else. You know, Generation X did it, and and Tom Robinson band did it, and yep. maybe every other band on this playlist tonight, which is why they're acting so goofy. Um, Alternative TV <laughs> Alternative did it in a very TV. weird way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, so so anyway, I I picked a song that I actually really liked on this album, and it's called "He Does It with Mirrors," and the thing I really like about it is is the production really the so i i enjoyed the shrill kind of vocal kind of shrill vocals that the lead singer has but also what they do with the production um with sound effects and stuff I know that we've got, in a couple of years, we have one more Eddie and the Hot Rods album coming out. Uh, I think he, like 82, 83 maybe. And by that time, there are so many new wave post-punk albums, you know, uh, released every month that... I think we should probably break our own rules and kind of like peek ahead at their next album and even determine if it's appropriate for us to cover. Because uh-huh. um, if it's anything like this, I just uh, that that it's not a I'm not condemning it. It's just it doesn't seem like a necessary part of the conversation, you know, for a podcast like this. But we'll just have to see. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's Eddie and the Hot Rod's Thriller. I, it's, I, <laughs> it's it's not going to make anyone's li- – well, I yeah. shouldn't say that. But but if, if there was ever a sure bet that an album wasn't going to make somebody's top ten list as far as punk or post-punk goes, I think this is pretty close to it. Yeah, it's not going to be on mine. Sorry, nah. Eddie. Sorry, Hot Rod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roxy Music. We finally get to talk about Roxy Music. We we touched touched on them just a tiny bit in our very first episode uh, because they were, um, you know, hugely influential on the the post punk and new wave scene. Um, I I mean I would say David Bowie and Roxy Music. Those are the two pre 
punk bands when it comes to new wave that you that have the biggest fingerprints you know all over pretty much the whole new wave movement moving forward um and so i'm excited that we're finally getting to listen to one of their albums yeah. i love roxy music but i've never been um very organized about it so i'm not sure that i've heard all of their albums but my suspicion is that manifesto the one that was released in march of 1979 is going to be one of my least favorite roxy music albums um but it's okay it um it had just like most of their albums it had a couple of pretty good sized hits um, Dance Away and then Angel Eyes. And Angel Eyes had a real disco feel to it. Um, I would love to, at some point, just get an opportunity to sit down and just go through their material in an organized way and just get a... Because my, my knowledge of them is really very piecemeal. I, mean, I have to say that I was really excited knowing that Roxy Music was going to be on this playlist because I couldn't tell you a single time I've heard their music. Um, and Oh, and, oh, but you have. Oh, I'm sure I have, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the thing is, is that, is that I I couldn't think of a single Roxy Music song. And I'm like, well, come on, I got it. Wow. This is a band, this, is, this band is huge. This band yep. is one of the bands when you're talking about you know the genre that we're covering so so i listened to this album a couple times and sad to say it doesn't doesn't really do much for me um it uh you know it, it just it's their well it's their sixth album so they've been doing it for a while but it mm -hmm. for me it's just not it didn't click and, yeah, and yeah. I was I'm, pretty disappointed in that. I, and not disappointed in Roxy music per se, but I was kind of like, "Is that even possible? This is such such a great band. I've been hearing all these things, and and I I'm having a hard time getting into it." They have um, two more releases that are going to come out, uh -huh. and their their very last one is Avalon, which is a new wave classic i mean uh, yeah, both okay. myself and all of my friends at the time just had the greatest respect for for that album so i'm really excited about and you know when we get an opportunity to talk about it and in my mind because you know i was i was too young to be aware of of glam rock or any of that stuff so for me my first point of reference for Roxy Music was New Wave, uh -huh. you know, in Avalon. That was that was probably well, that was definitely the first album of theirs that I had, and probably the first time that I ever heard Roxy Music was when Avalon came out. Um, so yeah, this this album, I mean, it's not it's not awful. It's and it's a really it's kind of an inconsistent sort of scattershot kind of an album where it's got lots of different styles and different approaches in the songwriting feels kind of piecemealed together, but there's some interesting stuff. Um, I, I think that 
that both of us uh, zeroed in on exactly the same song, um, which is was your pick. What did what's is oh. is trash your favorite song yeah. on the album? Yeah, no, actually, it is. It is definitely my favorite song on the album. I I felt like it was pretty much the strongest song on the whole album, um, and was really surprised that it 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 wasn't. Oh, excuse me, it was a single, wasn't it? Trash was a single. Yeah, but it it didn't do much at all not yeah. not compared to the Angel two hits is. yeah yeah well i hands down i think it's the strongest song on the album are you customized already made heavy metal drink or drink uh-huh. only 17 on the level trash is neat I'm right there with you. Uh, I this was this was by far my first choice. I mean, really the only one that I really zeroed in on. But then when I saw that you picked it, I, I thought um, maybe we should listen to "Dance Away." Now this is I'm being kind of Captain Obvious here, but I'm I'm picking this, which is one of their most famous songs. Um, <clears throat> Because, because I want to listen to the DNA of this song. Uh-huh. So when you listen to it, think about so many of the new wave pop hits that that become big here in the United States by like '83, '84, and how they tie directly back to. Not not only this song, but just Roxy Music's approach towards towards pop, you know, uh, constructing a pop hit. I mean, I hear a lot of when I listen to this song, I think of Thompson Twins' "Hold Me Now." Oh, interesting. Yesterday, well, it seemed so cool when I walked you home, kissed goodnight. I said it's love, you said alright It's funny how I could never cry Until tonight And you passed by away you're right it you could tell that there's uh, there's other stuff that's been inspired by them um yeah, yeah so so i don't know maybe i was just in a mood and i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna crap on them you know <laughs> i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna go ahead and listen to some more of them well my my suspicion is that um you know when all is said and done that this this may be my least favorite uh roxy music album uh, we'll just we'll see, yeah. uh, and you know, to be clear, I don't. There's 
there's probably no point in going back to Manifesto to listen to it again because there are no other songs off of this album that sound like Dance Away. I mean, it is, and that's part of the the problem that I have with this album is it's stylistically, it's just kind of all over the place. Not not like um, to, the Tom Robinson uh, album where they're doing a ragtime song and a disco song and you know all of that but still it's like every the songs don't feel like they they're very comfortable being on the same album you know oh, it's yeah. it's just a weird it's a weird energy on this one yeah all right well. so that is that is Roxy Music's um, album Manifesto and um i i'm not even going to spend another second thinking about it um but i do know that uh there are lots of excellent roxy music albums and i look forward to listening to some of those so we're gonna go into magazine and uh magazine's a band i I like Magazine a lot. So this is their second studio album. Uh, it was on Virgin Records. The single for the album was uh, Rhythm of Cruelty. I guess I should tell you the name of the album, huh? Uh, <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so this is their album, Secondhand Daylight. Uh, Howard DeVoto didn't do most of the music writing like he had before. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, the the members of the band split up the the chores of of writing the songs, and uh, and it I don't in my mind it came out pretty well. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so just to be clear, the um, the song that was released as a single was not a hit. It was yeah, it was right. a, a a flop compared to their their previous singles. Um, I find this album very disappointing. Uh, I really, really liked their debut album mm-hmm. um, because because of the songwriting, because of the um, really distinct things that each song was doing, whereas they obviously had a completely different approach to constructing the music. Um, and it sounds like, both in the in the result and what you're saying, it sounds like more like the musicians came up with jams and grooves, yeah. and then Devoto came in and threw some vocals on top of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. really what it sounds like to me. I I I find it not very interesting um, album. It might, it might be a case of, uh, democracy in action, not working out for the best. <laughs> um, as far as him, you know, not taking over and, and just doing it all himself. But, um, you know, and maybe what you're saying is that it definitely is, it shows on his strengths and it really probably should have been. Uh, well, yeah. In the, in the, the, the first album, had a lot of things going on, right. um, which I really appreciated. But, but there was still always a sort of a pop sensibility. Well, like not on all of the songs, but a lot of the songs uh-huh. had had pop DNA, but was just kind of twisted around in weird and interesting ways. Whereas this 
this doesn't sound like that to me. So I I don't know. I mean, it's it starts out sounding really gothy, which I was like when I the first time I listened to it, I'm like, ooh, this is Rob's jam. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, as it goes on, it gets. I was really surprised how like prog rocky it got. I mean, there's one song that that was like. I had to I had to stop and go, wait, am I listening to Pink Floyd? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> very weird. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's funny because I, I actually thought the same thing, but it wasn't a turnoff for me. I um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I really dig the album and it it fluctuates throughout. I mean obviously it's got some strong points and some weak points. But... Well I, I, I had a song picked out and yeah. then you picked the exact same song. Oh, okay. Great. Well, what we decided to choose then was a song called Cut Out Shapes. I enter the I'm probably going to give this album another couple of listens to. Uh, I uh, honestly, I don't see it. Uh, you know, I don't see it being being one of my favorites of the year. But uh, I, I, I'm a fan of magazine, and you're right as far as a mm-hmm. one song sounding pretty goth. I was really getting into it, um, but it is an album I like, and I don't know. We'll just have to see where they go from there. You know. Yeah, so that's Magazine's second album called Secondhand Daylight. Um, it is, it's not in consideration for me. Um, I will be surprised, be surprised if it shows up on anyone's list, but who knows? Um, okay, so all of the albums that we have discussed so far tonight were released in March of 1979. We know for a fact. Uh, we have two more albums to cover. These are albums that were released in 1979. We don't know what month, um, so probably they weren't released in March, but you never know. So we're sticking them here because we've got a couple of slots. So let's talk about Cuddly Toys. <laughs> um, this is their debut album called Guillotine Theater. And I just want to say right off the bat, there, when you see reference to this album, there are three different years that I've seen it cited as being released. Um, however, 1979 is the first one, and that is when it was released in Japan only. Oh, wow. And then um, had a, um, a fairly big hit with a song called Mad Men, that was released as a single in the UK 
and then the following year it was released the full album was released in the uk but the original release date is 1979 in japan only um this is a band I had never heard of, mm -hmm. um, and I am curious to hear what you think about it. Um, well, it's interesting because, first of all, in doing research, I could find almost nothing on this band. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> but listening to it, I, you know, I, I got into it quite a bit, the first half of the album. Um and and I I was kind of digging on it. I was thinking that it might be a band that you'd be into, and then mm -hmm. and then I don't know. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. It, it it really seemed to to kind of take a flip uh, for me. So um, yeah, yeah. I I mean I it's I've got a bunch of thoughts, and I don't know how to how to how to put them <laughs> together with this album. It's yeah, you know, yeah. Well, this is this is a another very weird album <laughs> that fits right right at home with yeah. all the rest of the weird albums um, that we're discussing tonight. Um, so, lots of thoughts about this. First of all, we have heard a song off of this album already. So you remember last episode we went out on a teaser song. Mm -hmm. um, that was a song called Join the Girls off of Cuddly Toys' debut album, um, Guillotine Theater. And by far the new waviest of um, the songs off of this album. Now, I have kvetched many times about punk bands that sound too much like music from the 50s and 60s and how I don't care for that. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I guess it's only fair for me to, uh, to be consistent to note that these, these guys want to be clam so much. I mean, they, th this is a glam band, like an early 70s glam rock band first uh -huh. um and the so the the song mad men which was the hit for them <clears throat> was actually an unreleased song that david bowie and mark bolton um uh, wrote together and when you just listen to this whole album i think a lot of people if they wanted to deride this album would would call it wannabe david bowie yeah but my suspicion is at the time if you gone up to this band and went oh my god you sound exactly like david bowie did back in 1973 they would have been thrilled because yeah. it really it, <laughs> it does not it doesn't sound like a band that is accidentally sounding like david bowie i mean they are they, they really feel like they're bending over backwards and i think they do a pretty good job and i actually kind of like this album i think because fundamentally i like glam rock more than i like like 50s rockabilly stuff um but it is it is 85 90 percent derivative of glam well of of david bowie and ziggy stardust and then 15 percent 
sort of 1979 post-punk. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that says it right there. <laughs> if I remember correctly, um, the fall and decline of the universe was pretty high up on your list. So you're you're digging the song, huh? Well, I, yeah, I dig the song. Crying alone after show closes ten o'clock. Cannot leave. Performance for phantoms begins right on midnight. I like this song. I like this album because I like David Bowie, and um, you know, this is this is probably as close as I'm going to get to hearing new David Bowie. Yeah, in my you know from from here on out, Um, and you know, it's I think it's they they do a pretty credible job of of you know. Sounding like a Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars kind of a thing. Yeah. So it's fine. It's it's nothing that I can take seriously. Um, but, you know, I think what they set out to do, they succeed in doing it. Yeah, for sure. So that is uh, the Cuddly Toys debut album called Guillotine Theater. And... Um, if you're curious, you can check it out. Uh, pretty, pretty obscure. I, I, I do think that my my favorite song on the off of the album though is "Join the Girls." That's oh, yeah. a it that's a, a pretty one. fun little little new wave. It's it's got more new wave than the rest of it. Okay, just one more album to go, Rob. Well, so here's an album that I not only was I excited that we were getting to. But when I listened to it, was just so thrilled about how it was going to fit in with this set. <laughs> you know? So our next album is John Cooper Clark's Walking Back to Happiness. And it's his third album. Um, it's all spoken word with no music, with the exception of, I think, the last song on the album. Uh, it was all recorded mm-hmm. live except for that last track. And uh, it became uh, the UK top 40 uh, hit that year, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, that song, anyway. And the song is yeah. g- Gimmicks Play Loud, which mm-hmm. I think is great. I think it's a great song. The rest mm-hmm. of it, though, is poetry, pure poetry. Mm-hmm. And we already knew mm-hmm. from talking to Richard Temple that that was kind of how this was going to go. Uh, John Cooper Clark is n- known as a poet, and sometimes he's got a backing band, uh, in this case, the band called the Invisible Girls, um, which, you know, <laughs> consists of some people that we, we've heard from, Martin Hannett, Steve Hopkins, Pete Shelley, uh, and Bill Nelson, 
who we heard from <laughs> last episode with his red noise. Um, yeah. But I actually really dug this album. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I, not as mm-hmm. a punk album, because it's certainly not a punk album, but he's the punk poet, so we had to play it. Um, yeah, so how, I, I, I got to ask you, um, how was your experience actually listening to it? Because this is a long, out-of-print um, album, not available on Spotify. Uh-huh. I couldn't find one place where I could listen to the full album. I had yeah. to just sort of piecemeal it. I'm not 100% certain that I've actually listened to all of the tracks. Uh-huh. Um, I, I poked around YouTube until I got them all. Um and right, but you 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 had to piecemeal it together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, which which just seems par for the course for tonight's yeah. playlist. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, so I did end up listening to the whole thing, and I listened to the tracks in order. And you know, it's a stand-up. It's like it's almost like a. I don't want to call. He's a poet, and it's it's like open mic night at a, at some venue. Um, but it, it might as well be stand-up comedy because there's hecklers and he's shooting back at the hecklers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, he's he is the the punk poet laureate. This guy, John Cooper Clark. Well, and that was that was the cool thing about the punk movement in the UK. Uh, I I don't know that it was nearly as much so here in the U.S. was how inclusive it was, you know, at the time where they could just abr- embrace a basically just a poet, um, and he was he was really was part of the punk movement. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which I think is really cool. I mean, he he showed up on Erg, a music war. He 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 sh- his stuff shows up on compilations you know, that I've had over the years. So, so that's really cool. Well, I got to tell you, I totally crapped out um, when it came to the, the, the cut to feature here uh-huh. because, you know, Spotify has a couple of best of compilations. So they it did include the track um, that was a top 40 hit for him called um, Gimme X Play Loud. Uh, this is a very poor representation of the rest of the album because it is a studio. It starts out actually live, and then I guess it cuts to a studio take of the song. Um, and this was a this was a song I was actually familiar with. This is one of the songs that popped up on a compilation, you know, that I came across uh, when I was in my twenties. Hey Jimmy, give me the gimmicks. Another day, another fat. Yes, even for a minute, they're not that dad. From the balmy days of the hula hoop craze to the skateboard panic of today. Amused, amazed, the gas we gaze, we don't get in the way. Tune in the idle chatter, turn a blind eye to the screams at the shatterproof heart of the matter. Things are as they seem. Mahatma Gandhi's loincloth, the coals are Nostra kiss. Cola cans and coin up cops, amphetamine psychosis. Tick, tick, sick or something. Talk is cheap. I actually, I really like gimmicks uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, and, you know, when he's got the invisible girls behind him, I think he does really well as far as a, as far as a punk uh, performer. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, let's summarize um, the weirdness that we have just experienced. So, <laughs> we featured albums by Squeeze, Cool for Cats, Alternative TV, Vibing Up the Senile Man, Part 1. Incidentally, not my favorite album of this group, but my favorite album title. I love that title. Um, Vibing Up the Senile Man, Part 1. Simple Minds' debut album, Life in a Day. The Tom Robinson Band's uh, second and final release, TRB2. The Falls debut album, Live at the Witch Trials. Eddie and the Hot Rods' Thriller. Roxy Music's release entitled Manifesto. Secondhand Daylight, uh, the second album by Magazine. And then the two albums that we featured that may or may not have been released in March, probably not, where it was um, Guillotine Theater by the Cuddly Toys and John Cooper Clark's release, third release called Walking Back to Happiness. Anything you want to touch base before we wrap up? No, I just want to thank you for, uh, for being here, and, and I'm happy to be doing this with you. That's yeah. It. Well, um, you did the heavy lifting uh, as far as enthusiasm and energy goes <laughs> for this episode because I just I didn't have it in me for this batch. So thank you so much for doing that. And um, I'm very excited about April. Uh, yeah. It's going to be yeah. a whole a whole nother thing. We're we're getting where it's April is a course correction for sure. So for sure. So I'm I'm very excited about that. So. Our fade out um, today, I want to, Rob, I want, I'm going to utter a phrase that you are probably going to hear me say a number of times. You ready for it? Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about Bill Nelson's Red Noise? <laughs> <laughs> when we talked about that album, we featured our favorite songs, which is yeah. totally appropriate. But... As I was editing, I noticed there was a bis bit of a disconnect between our conversation and the songs that we featured. So, so both of us, uh, we gravitated towards the kind of more muscular post-punk um, type of a vibe because that's what we like. Uh, but a lot of our conversation was, at least my part, half of the conversation was how new wavy the album was and how how a lot of the songs really sounded like stuff that was going to be typical you know a couple of years down the road um but that was not reflected in the in the, our our songs that we chose to feature <laughs> of course so i thought it would be nice to go out on like exhibit a for my argument that um uh a sound on sound is one of the first truly like straight flat out new wave albums to come out. Um, I, I don't know which song it will be because I, I haven't, I'll have to go back and, and kind of now that I'm looking for the new waviest of the cuts. So we will go out on another cut um, off of sound on sound, uh, the, uh, 
only album released by Bill Nelson's Red Noise. Yeah. Before we get to April of 1979, we have a deep dive, the first deep dive of season three. Yeah. So, Rob, what is our deep dive this month going to be on? Our deep dive is going to be on Roxy Music, which I'm really looking forward to because... I need obviously some more education on this band. <laughs> yeah. So, so we both expressed earlier, um, looking forward to an opportunity to really, like, get focused and explore their catalog. Hey, look! It's happening. It's going to happen sooner than you thought. Yeah. Cool. Looking forward to it. Okay, everybody, keep your eyes open for that. It's coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for thank your you. patience and <laughs> counterbalancing my crabbiness. Um, All right. It's, uh, thank, thank goodness for you, Rob. Oh, well, likewise, my friend. Thanks a lot. Okay, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Faces in the street, eyes like mirrors, eating holes in the back of my head. Albums for April of 1979 include The Boys, To Hell With The Boys, Gina X Performance, Nice Mover, Fingerprints, The Very Dab, The Doll, Listen To The Silence, and The Members at the Chelsea Nightclub. The only one second release, Even Serpents Shine, Patrick Fitzgerald's Grubby Stories, Gary Newman and Tubeway Army with Replicas, Brazillo's Mission Accomplished and the pop group Why? Oh, 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 oh.